All right. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back to the Think Zebra podcast. We're here for episode two. Um, we It has been a little while, admittedly. Um, we've Just a little. Um, so thank you for bearing with us. Hopefully we'll try and get back to a more regular posting schedule from now. So what are we going to talk about this week, Kate? Uh, telling friends and family. Indeed. That Indeed. joyful one. Exactly. It's a, it's a tricky one. Um, obviously, there's a lot of conversations to be had, and I think it's very important to try and engage in a lot of conversations about chronic illness, hence why we started this podcast in the first place. Um, but sometimes these conversations aren't necessarily very easy to have. Um, so mm-hmm. we wanted to, to chat a little bit about how we did it, um, and if you've got any tips and tricks that we can share with you, that kind of thing. So um, do you want to take us away, Kate? Well, I didn't do it a great way. I'm going to be honest. So um, my mum was with me when I got the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So she knew, and then she told my nan, who told everyone else on that side of the family. And then she told my brother. I didn't tell any of my friends to begin with. Mm-hmm. I um, I was quite ashamed that like, I didn't know how to tell people. I felt like it was my fault, you know, all those rubbish things that it's not. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I didn't tell people. So I lost some friends because I was like, oh, you know, I was always ill, couldn't come out and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was hard. I told my dad by text. And then I got a call from him. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, so I didn't really do much of the telling to begin with. But um, you learn from it, and now just tell everyone. Well, I think it's it's not it's not the worst thing to leave it up to other people because it's a lot for you to process initially. And I think what's most important is that you start off by making sure that you're okay and you can sort of come to terms with it yourself and handle it in your own way, however that is. Um, but I think in an ideal world. I think being more more open about it and trying to have these conversations oh. is good. But I think you, yeah, should 100%. Also, you should also like just give yourself a chance to process it first, I think is what I would try and say. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with that. If there was one thing you could say to someone who's just been diagnosed and they're thinking about yeah. having that conversation with their family, from your experience, what do you think you would tell them? Um, I would tell them to tell them you're nervous and tell them it's hard for you, but be as open as possible. And if they have questions, answer them or even like give them like give them stuff on the Internet that they can read about. If you're not comfortable enough to answer the questions yet, mm-hmm. just uh, make sure you're prepared in your head to do it. Yeah, you probably do have a lot to say about this because you are feeling a lot of things, right? Yeah. Um, so like just make sure that you have the time and space in order to say what you want to say. Yeah, don't do it when you've only got a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's never a good idea because there's no. no like I mean there's barely ever a good way that you can tell someone about this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Let alone but not just like, I've got a chronic illness, I'm going now. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. How do you tell your family and friends? Um so I think, for, if my memory serves me correctly, and the kind of period is a bit hazy, I won't lie to you, I've kind of blacked yeah. out for the most part. At this point in my story, I should say that um, my sister had already previously been diagnosed with melanoma. Um, and I didn't know at first when I was diagnosed that it was like a genetic chronic condition. Um, yeah. I just thought it was like, 
a one-off that happened to be the same as what my sister had had. Mm. Um, so when I was told that first time, um, I think I was just in the room alone with the doctor. I was just getting my results back from a biopsy of a mole. And um, he said that that's what it was. And I was just sort of like, okay, cool. Can I still go on holiday with my friends in a week? <laughs> um to which he was obviously very apprehensive because it was like a new wound um yeah not ideal to go away on holiday somewhere (laughs) foreign where you could get it infected and stuff (laughs) nevertheless that was that was what was on my mind at the time um (laughs) and then I remember leaving the room and finding my parents in the waiting room and I sat down and I was like yep it's exactly the same as what Louise had I guess we just we move, you know? Um, yeah. And then, so from there, I obviously had a lot more, like many, many more hospital appointments um, before I was finally given the diagnosis of it being a genetic condition and something that I was yeah. living with permanently. Um, frankly, I don't remember a lot about the meeting where I was sat down and told that it was genetic. I remember having a blood test and then coming back a few weeks later to the genetics department and then them sitting me down and telling me at which point I think my sister was there at the same time. And yeah. my, certainly my mum, and I think my dad was also there, but I'm not certain about that. Um, so I think most of us were all in the room together when we found out. Yeah. It concerned me and my sister at the same time. Um, so I think I was quite lucky in the sense that I wasn't going through it alone. And I think that was really, really helpful for me because I didn't have to have those initial conversations just coming from me. Like yeah. everyone was present. Everyone heard exactly what I heard. We were all able to kind of take it in at the same time. And I think for me, it was a bit of a lifesaver having my sister go through it at the same time because yeah. it instantly felt much less lonely. And I think mm. there is a tendency in situations like this when you're diagnosed with a chronic illness, a lot of the time it is just you. Um, so yeah. I think I would encourage you to reach out to even if it's just one person, if there's only one person you can tell, just try and reach out to them and open up. Because as soon as you have that one person who understands, that one person who's on your side, kind of fighting your corner, then it instantly becomes so much easier. Like yeah, a lot less lonely. Like you're not alone and you're not fighting against everyone all at the same time. Yeah. In terms of having the big conversation, if you will, um, yeah. with like my friends that had to happen, um, that was slightly different. I did have to kind of, at first, like you, I was very hesitant to say anything because I, mm. I didn't want anyone to look at me differently. I didn't want anyone yeah. to pity me because at that point I didn't want oh, to pity. Oh, that's the worst. That was yeah. the last thing I wanted. I just wanted people to understand. And for the most part, I'm incredibly grateful because the group of friends who I told were incredibly understanding. Like there was absolutely no condescension. There was no insensitive questioning. It was all very like respectful and from a really positive place of support. So I was very lucky. Um, And I'm sure many other people would say that because they probably had very different experiences. Um, yeah, but I think what was important for me in having that conversation was making sure I dedicated time and space 
to talking it through with those people, letting them ask yeah. questions, me asking them questions about how they were feeling about it as well. Because mm-hmm. like, it's quite easy to forget, I think, that um, yes, it's something that you're going through and that's immediately what you're going to think about. But your family and your friends are also going to have to process this in their own way. Because yeah, it it's hard impact. for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you. Have you had any experiences with family and friends where you had to give them a moment to? Yeah, I had it with um, like my nan and my mum as well when she was in the room with me. And when you get more diagnoses, I mean, it gets easy to tell people. By the time I had my fibro, I was like, oh, I've got fibro guys now as well. <laughs> like every time it gets easier. Yeah. Because you're just like, oh, one other thing. But um, yeah, it's when people don't, it's like when you say it's the rest of my life, it's degenerative, and they've got to get their head around that the way you are now is not going to be how you are the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think that's hard. And for them to learn all the other bits, and when you get a new symptom come up from them, they've had to process all that as well. So I think every time something new happens, it's another whole processing for them. Yeah. It's hard sometimes to like, because you go, oh, I'm getting bad again. But then you're like, well, I've got to enjoy while I can at the moment. So I think it's yeah. easier for you to process in the end than it is for other people because they just see you. Yeah. And they're sort of going through it all again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think if, if there's one thing that I regret from the way that I handled my situation with my family is that I, I don't think I spent enough time checking in with them to make sure that they were okay as well. Um, yeah, I don't think I did either. Because I, I, like I said, it was me and my sister at the same time going through it. Mm. And then later on, my dad was also diagnosed with the same genetic mutation. So yeah. it's kind of the three of us all in it together. And then my mum, who's kind of, yeah, she's not on the outside, but I, I imagine to some extent that's kind of how she felt. Mm. Um, and at the time I was so inwardly focused because I was just trying to get through it myself but I I regret yeah. not checking in with her more and making sure that she was okay through all of it yeah all do you us. find as well because it's genetic your parents are feeling bad for giving it to you I think there is definitely a certain amount of that I mean yeah, they, they never could have known but no yeah same one because mine was genetic and I don't think anyone else really has it but I think they've got a gene, the gene that could have it, and I mutated it seriously. Yeah. To get it. So, um, and we don't know who it came, but we think it's it's from the Barker side. Like, my mum's adopted, she, she doesn't know if it's her or whatever. Yeah. And, um, like, the guilt they feel, and you're like, it's not your fault. You didn't know. Yeah. Like, I don't blame you. No. But what they actually feel, and sometimes I forget to, like, when someone goes home and be like, guys, don't feel guilty. Like, yeah. Absolutely. It's fine. I think they obviously struggle with that and you forget that sometimes. Yeah. And you just want to like give them a big hug and be like, it's okay. Yeah. Like I'm not upset. I'm not mad. It kind of sucks. Yeah. But like no one could have known that this was going to happen, you know? Yeah. But I think it's hard for them to get in the head and no matter how many times they te- you tell them. Yeah. And you're like, guys, it's fine. So yeah. Um, yeah, I regret not checking in with that more, but to begin with more often because you're so focused on what you've got. Yeah. You forget how it's affecting other people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but equally, having said that, you need to... Uh, another big piece of advice that I'm going to give is to be kind to yourself. 
Mm. Be a bit it's, selfish. Yeah, it's it's okay in that first instance to be selfish and spend time thinking about yourself. Be alone with your thoughts. Like figure out how you're feeling, how you're coping. Like just be be gentle with yourself. Don't push yourself yeah. to take on everything all at once. Yeah, um, like take your time. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then once you feel like you're starting to get things under control again, you can start looking out for the other people in your life yeah, who, who might but, be trying to deal with it too. Yeah. But you've got to focus on yourself first because if you focus on them, you're just pushing it away and it will come back yeah. and bite you a lot harder. Exactly. Exactly. There's, the, there's a famous saying, isn't there? There's like, um, if you can't look after yourself, you can't look after anyone else. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, definitely. It's hard to remember it, but <laughs> yeah, I'll say it's one of those things that's always easier said than done. But yeah, look after yourself and understand that it might take longer for other people to digest it as well because they're getting yeah. this big news. Yeah. Um, okay. How about approaching it from the other side? What What advice do you think you would give someone who is listening or reacting to someone else's story? I say make sure you're fully listening. Yeah. Yeah, and don't interrupt until they're finished speaking and then ask questions. Yeah. But, um, like, look at how they're reacting and look at how they're sitting, like, the body language and how they're talking. And you need to know whether it's the right time to ask questions. Yeah. So, like, react with how they're reacting and just go and do your research. Yeah. Like, oh, they've told you there's much research as possible because the less you have to ask some questions and the more you understand, the easier it is for them. Yeah. Right. What about you? Um, I don't know. It's one of those things because, like, it's the classic you tell someone, you're like, I have a chronic illness. And then there's, I think there's just like a certain kind of person tries to respond in a way that they think is encouraging. Mm but it just comes across incredibly patronizing and condescending. Yeah. It's, like, it's always the, oh, you're so brave. Yeah, or, oh, I hate that. Like, yeah, it's, it's the worst. Or like, oh, but you're so young. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, you don't look sick. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, and when um, they try and give advice, but they don't know what they're talking about, it's like, it's a chronic, mm. there's no cure. And they're like, oh, try this, try that. And it's like, you don't even know what it is. Like, so give me advice. Yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll stick to the medical professionals, actually. Yeah. Okay, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't think um, apple cider vinegar is going to really help, you know? <laughs> Have you actually been told that? Yeah. Oh, my God. What, what were you supposed <laughs> to do with the vinegar? Drink it, I think. What? Like a couple, like, a couple of tablespoons of water or teaspoons of water. I don't really know. vinegar. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then, oh, I've had... Um, Cod fish oil, whatever it is. Yeah. And then, like, oh, try all these vitamins and that. It's like, it's, it's not going to help me. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for that, but I might yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to pass on that, thanks. It's <laughs> all right with you? Yeah. How about some good things that people can say or do, or examples of good, positive reactions? I think the main thing is listening and being supportive. Mm-hmm. like just saying I know this is hard for you if you want to talk I'm here like I will support you I will try and understand yeah. I'm being honest like, I might understand straight away well, yeah. 
be honest and supportive. That's all. That's the best thing you can do. Yeah. What about yeah. you? Um, I think I was telling one friend um, who I happen to have not seen for quite a long time. Ever since going to uni, life has been quite chaotic. Yeah. We've just not really seen each other in a really long time. And I, I wasn't looking forward to having the conversation because I knew it was coming and I knew that I really wanted to tell him because I wanted him to know. Um, yeah. And I said everything I had to say and I was just, I remember finishing up being like, but it's okay, I'm fine. Honestly, you don't need to worry yeah. about me. I'm fine. And then the first thing that he said, he just took a moment. There was like a brief moment of silence. Thankfully, it wasn't an awkward silence because that was yeah. very uncomfortable. It was just a, a <laughs> yeah. brief moment of silence where I could see him digesting it all slowly. And then he just went, okay, but are you all right? And yes. For some reason, that just really touched me because he listened to it all. He'd taken it on board and he was just like, okay, so that's quite bad but are you actually doing okay? Like how are you yeah. doing kind of thing? And it just touched me really, honestly. Yeah. And no, that, that is an amazing thing to do. <laughs> or, and I like the one to go, well, it doesn't change you. Like it yeah. doesn't need anything, but you're still you. Yeah. Cause yeah. the ones where like, I hate the pity ones where you can see in their eyes. Yeah. And you know, you're like, well, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just know what's coming. No one needs pity to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's not it's a good not really thing. Useful, like it's a natural emotion to have, but it's not really yeah. productive or useful in this instance. So yeah. I would encourage you to refrain from that kind of response. If possible. yes, over the years, when when you've started telling like friends and perhaps your wider circle of friends, yeah, and nowadays you have your your platform, your blog, Young Random Chronicle. Thanks, guys, on Facebook and Instagram. Thank so you. Give it a <laughs> you, you, you've obviously opened up a lot more about it in recent years. Um, so, so like, how how have you how have you got more comfortable with talking about it? Well, I was um, so every year I do something for charity, and I started last year, and I was talking about it. And Mum's like, "We'll do a blog so people understand." Mm. And I really didn't want to, but she sort of forced me into it, which I'm really grateful now. But yeah. at the time. I was not happy about it. Yeah. I suppose I'm just, if people ask me questions, I just come out and say it now. Mm. If I'm having a bad day and people ask why I can't do stuff or if they see me dislocated or whatever. Yeah. I just go, look, I've got this. This is it. Yeah. You know, I'm still not very good when going on dates and how to tell them or when to tell them. Yeah. Well, I, that's I, a very I still have not figured out. <laughs> yeah. Still haven't figured that out. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but yeah, we're friends. I just, yeah, I'm just like, look, this is what I've got. Sometimes I'll be able to do stuff, sometimes I won't. Like, sometimes I'll have to cancel plans, sometimes yeah. I'll be able to do them. Like, just very upfront and honest now, which is a lot better. But it did take a long time. And I think it was the blog that helped, yeah. which I did not like at the time. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like it's yeah. kind of like, again, the classic scenario of, as soon as you have to talk about something or teach something to someone else, you, you begin yeah. to understand it. You begin to be able to put into words what you're feeling. Yeah. It's a lot. How about you? How did you like telling more people? Um, I mean, to begin with, I took it very slowly. 
I kind of mm. only told the people who had to know at first, you know, and yeah. like the people who I was living with day to day who it was inescapable. Like I physically couldn't live with these people day to day and not tell them because they would know yeah. that something was up. Um, but when it came to like, for example, my friends from home, like coming back from uni, um, I just took it bit by bit. I, t I told some of them like yeah. one by one kind of thing because I felt like that was a more manageable thing to do rather than take them all yeah. one at once. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Also, like, like when when on earth would there ever be a, an appropriate time or event to bring up to a crowd yeah, like at a party? Oh, yeah, like, way, party. excuse me, cancer. Yeah, can we just stop the music, please? I just got to <laughs> announce something. <laughs> exactly. So like. I found I found telling people one to one a lot more manageable and easier to do. Yeah, um, same here. Even if it takes longer, I found it to be the best option for me. But you yeah. might find something different. So I guess just go with your gut and what you think you can manage. Yeah. Well, mine took like well, I'm trying to two three years before I started in the blog, and I was really comfortable. Yeah. Telling people, so it does take a while. Yeah. And now I'm just like, hey, if I meet anyone new and I've become friends with them, and now I'm like. I've got this. Yeah. Have fun with it, you know. <laughs> but seemed like I went for a walk today, got this cake knee and I was on my walking stick mm. and I saw this old lady. Old people just talked to me. I went for a walk the other day, walking with a mouth for this old lady. She just talked to me. <laughs> this was a different old lady. And um, she was like, oh, what are you done? I was like, this knee. She went, oh, you poor thing. I went, oh, it's normal. And she went, what? I went, oh, I've got an illness that so I discount the time. And she was there with her walking stick and I was there with mine. And she was like, well, I'm 80, so, you know, I've had a good run. And she said, how old are you? I went, 22. She went, oh, that's bad. <laughs> I was like, all right, thanks. <laughs> oh, I was like, thanks for that. But, you know, it's just, people ask, I just tell them now. Yeah. It's the easiest way, I think, like, yeah. just let people know. Yeah. It's, it's especially easy telling strangers not going to see the game because it gives you... It helps you to then tell your friends or new friends yeah, you make or whatever. It's almost like good practice. It's quite like liberating. Mm. Like yeah, that's what I found. Because it doesn't matter was, how it goes because you'll never see yeah, them again. Exactly. I went telling a lot of strangers more when they asked than I did people I knew, and that's how I think I got comfortable. Yeah. And so, to be fair, most of the time, people like even strangers when you tell them about it are actually pretty sympathetic. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, not that so much like lady then, but. <laughs> Most of them are. Most of them are lovely. And most of them want to know more as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which definitely. gives you practice in answering questions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just go go on a bus or a train and go, hello. <laughs> this is what I got. So it is getting to that time of year. We're heading oh, head first into the festive season <laughs> yeah. with all kinds of holidays, cultural festivals, parties, that kind of stuff coming up. Obviously things I mean not so much weird. this year. Yeah, I'd say this year's <laughs> a little bit weird. But um I still think it's important to talk about because um spending a lot of time at family events and things mm. can be extremely draining if you have a chronic yes. illness. Um especially I think probably with EDS, I imagine, must be quite difficult sometimes. Yeah, emotionally and physically sometimes when there's yeah. everything. What, what do you find helps in, in those kind of events? Well, I think it helps because they all know about it. I just, I sometimes use my medication as an excuse. I've got to go take my meds, mm -hmm. right? Great excuse. No one can argue great with that. Excuse, yeah. 
yeah um when i need some space or like sometimes I go look it depends who's good but with some people I just go look it's too much yeah i need some time on my own but the meds one always works no matter who you're with oh, i just okay take some meds oh my god if a date's going badly <laughs> yeah they're like oh i've got to go take some meds <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> but yeah i think that's good i think it's just if you're not feeling great, just don't try and hide it. Like, obviously, you don't want to show everyone to get everyone down. Mm. But be honest. If someone asks you, be honest and say, I need some time by myself. Yeah. Or, like, I need to go home early. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Just because if you hide it, you're going to make yourself feel worse and it will end up showing to everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I think, so, because if you... I, I can't remember what I was going to say now. Ah. <laughs> um... <laughs> I honestly it's just gone it's fully just gone um, <laughs> if I had mind missed if you don't share the way that you're feeling because most people don't have to think about how fatigued they are on a certain day yeah or how emotionally drained they are from their chronic illness yeah or how much pain so yeah if, if you don't vocalize it and you don't communicate that you need some downtime or you can't mm. physically do this right now People won't necessarily realise because they're too busy having a good time and thinking that yeah. everyone's great. So I guess trying to communicate your needs clearly is probably the most important thing in a scenario like that. Yeah, you've got to remember that for normal people, this like it's normal for us, but it's not for them. Yeah. Like they don't don't have to think about half the stuff we think about, like what time we take meds, like can we do stuff like fatigue, has our pain level? Yeah. Like how many spoons we've got. Yeah. All that stuff. Like they don't have to think about that because, you know, they've got unlimited spoons, like a people. <laughs> so, so we yeah. just, you know, you just got to make, you like, you don't have to tell everyone, just that one person or two people that you trust the most or you know one stand the most. Yeah. Just say to them. And then if you have to leave, they can tell everyone else that you have to leave. Or you can just say bye and go away. You need to go, oh, I've got to go if you don't tell everyone. Yeah. Equally, going to events and making sure that there's someone there who is aware of yeah of, of how you're feeling and what your situation is that kind of thing is always helpful because if there's another yeah. person who there who understands you don't necessarily have to explain yourself yeah but also before. don't stop going to events or family stuff or whatever because you're scared mm. Like, you still need to enjoy it. And if you're having a reasonably good day, so, like, you're not stuck in bed or you're not too fatigued or whatever, go. You can always leave early. Yeah. You just tell people. But, like, sometimes it makes you feel better. Yeah. And, like, sure, there might be a few awkward conversations, but, like, it's a family meeting. Like it's a family gathering. Yeah. Like, there's going to be awkward conversations. Yeah. Even if it's not about your health, it would be like, oh, when you get a boyfriend or stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no matter what, there's awkward conversations for everyone there. Yeah, exactly. Just try and, like, embrace it as much as you can. And then just yeah. know where your boundaries are so that you can dip out when you need to, that kind of thing. Yeah, listen to your body. So what is possibly the strangest thing someone has said to you about your health or your condition? Uh, oh, I had someone tell me, right, this is fun. I was at an ICR. <laughs> I had two dislocated hips because, you know, not just the one. I like to be yeah. a bit of fun. Symmetry, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. You've got to keep it even. 
<laughs> and um, I was at the final obstacle. And first of all, they wanted me to climb up this massive um, blow-up slide. And I was like, I can't get up there. Like, my legs aren't even straight, mate. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so now I was at the bottom. And um, I got this hug from my friends. But he doesn't give loads of people hugs. Obviously, I was a very huggy place. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave me a hug. And this woman was like, oh, where's my hug? And he was like, I don't really want to give her a hug. And he got forced to. She went, why do you go all the hugs, Kate? So I went as a joke because I'm disabled, which is a fact. I am disabled. But she shouted, going, you're not disabled. You've made me really angry saying that. You're just oh disadvantaged at times. I was like, everyone's disadvantaged at times, mate. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, that wow. was fun. What a strange reaction to have. That's not... I know. Yeah, that's the strangest one I've had. I don't know. I just don't know how to rationalise things like that. No, but she follows my blog. Oh, Right. Yeah, that's why I was like, what? But, you know, I just laughed about it. <laughs> what about you? What's your strangest reaction? Um, I do have a good one from after I had a surgery one time. Um, and basically, it was quite an invasive surgery. I will probably talk about it in another episode where we discuss each of like Kate's and my full stories in detail. All right, yeah. Um, but I had to have quite an invasive surgery that involved a skin graft. Um, and I'd never had a skin graft before. I didn't really know how it was, how, how it would work yeah. and what would happen. Um, but essentially they just took some skin, like a square of skin, maybe that size from my thigh. Sorry. For those of you listening, you don't know how big that is. It's about like <laughs> maybe eight centimeters by eight centimeters. Um, Go on YouTube. You'll see. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Watch us on YouTube. Um, <laughs> it was about an eight by eight centimeters square of of skin they took from my thigh, um, and they basically put it on the wound on my back. Um, and my dad, for whatever reason, just turned around and he went, "So does that mean we can start calling you butt neck then?" <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and. Honestly, when he said that, I, I had no words. I didn't know how to react. I was like, <laughs> I think I just cracked and then I just started laughing. And it was quite nice, light relief because obviously I was not looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so to have, have a bit like a ray of light in there that made me lighten up and laugh about it was really, really good. Um, and now I, it's a new family nickname. I am Buttneck now sometimes. I love that. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah I've had it when I've told people I've been going on dates with or whatever you're talking to yeah. most of all the first question I get is oh something you're really flexible or can you put your legs behind your head oh god <laughs> yeah I mean I can but you know don't ask that stuff yeah that's not that's bad vibes on a first date yeah I'm like no <laughs> no one wants that I mean, oh. you know, they might in future, but not for the first question you've told them. Yeah, not literally five minutes after meeting. Yeah. Them. Like, hmm, I'm going to leave now, thanks. Bit crass, bit crass. Yeah. Uh, actually, okay. oh, I've just thought of another one. Um, basically, at uni, we had to have these meetings once a year with, like, the head of the college. So the yeah. university I go to is split into different colleges and then from there you get your teaching within the college. Um, mm. 
And you have these yearly meetings with the head of the college and your tutors all in the same room at the same time. Um, so yeah. it's kind of intense, a bit like ooh, a lot of the time going into it. Um, and this was literally the term after I had the really big surgery. And yeah. I, it wasn't long after my diagnosis full stop. So it was the first term I'd been back at uni after having all of the diagnosis and all of the surgery. And um, yeah. I remember having to kind of rehash it a bit and then kind of explain it to the principal who was there, the head of the college. Um, and I just finished talking and I could see the look in his eyes, the one we were talking about earlier that was, yeah. like, you just know he's, he's going to say something that you don't want to hear right now. Mm. And he went and did it. He just came clean out with it and he just went, so I've been talking to your tutors and we're really pleased with the progress you've been making this term. I just wanted to say that with everything you've had going on, I think it's just really, really inspirational to hear. Oh, I hate like that. Yours. And I was instantly, I was just cringing so hard yeah. inside. And I must have looked so visibly uncomfortable because one of my tutors turned around and said to me, he was like, oh, well, don't be awkward about it. <laughs> God, I wish I was dead right now. It's so I I hate when people call you inspirations or brave or whatever. Yeah. Like we're just living our lives. Like exactly. what do you want us to do? Lay in bed. Exactly, exactly. Like right. I think most most people, if they found themselves in a situation like this, they would find ways to keep doing the things they love. Yeah. They would find ways to keep working hard and 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 engaging with their passions. Like I don't think many people would just completely give up. Exactly. So when they go, oh, you're so brave. Oh, you're so inspirational. It's like, I'm just normal. I'm doing what you're doing, just with something slightly different, mate. Exactly. Exactly. Just got slightly different limitations, slightly different yeah. capabilities or whatever, but we're still doing the same thing. Like, yeah. Like, do you want me to call you an inspiration for just living? Exactly. So, like, <laughs> exactly. I'm just living, guys. Yeah. So I think that's probably the most uncomfortable situation I've ever yeah. had. I don't know if you've had anything kind of like that. Uh, yeah, I've had a few because like OCRs that you'll be there. Like I've dislocated a course, whatever, and someone go, I mean, the, my favourite one is when someone threw up <laughs> when I dislocated. <laughs> oh my God, the I power dislocated. you have over people to do I that. I know, I dislocated my knee and this guy just sort of threw up <laughs> and then I couldn't stop laughing to put my knee back in place. <laughs> Like, I was in hysterics. I was, like, oh, crying God. with laughter. This guy was, like, gone. <laughs> I was like, oh, it was hilarious. I thought it was great. Oh, man. And the thing is, you've got to be careful laughing as well because you might dislocate yeah. your rib while you're at it. Too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, oh, it was so bad. And then I was, like, trying to put it back in. I couldn't because it started swelling underneath because I took too long to try and put it back in. <laughs> and, it was, and it was the best. I had one. So I was at an OCR. I was marshalling. And this is my fault. Like, it was so awkward. It was my fault. This woman dislocated me. It wasn't bad dislocation, right? And I forgot it wasn't normal. Oh. So she was there, like, going, oh, I need help. I went, just put it back in. And she was like, what? I was like, just put it back in. It's not a bad one. <laughs> and, like, it took, like, and then, like, it was, like, five minutes of me going, just put it back in and carry on. And then I, it clicked. I went, oh, no, this isn't normal. So then I like called the medics and that, and I was like, and I was trying to explain to her, the medics come out, I'm so sorry, I have this condition, I just, okay, I thought it was normal, I forgot. I was like, I'm sorry, I mean, I still don't think she believes me. 
she looked like she gives me like a dodgy look every time she sees me. Oh god! I'm like, yeah. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, she's seen me dislocate. I think she thinks I'm baking it. Yeah. Like, she's seen me on crutches now. I generally think she thinks I'm ba- baking it to try and do it. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I was like, I thought it was normal, and like, it's not a bad one for me, but obviously it's bad for other people because I was like, yeah. oh, it's completely and how my you fault. Dig yourself out of that hole, you know, once you're that far. I know. In. It's so bad. Like it was completely my fault. My fault. But I just forgot it wasn't normal. <laughs> like it's terrible. My little cousin forget that it's not normal as well. So there's an ambulance once, and I was we were going for a walk in that, and they went, "Oh, maybe someone's died." I went, "Or oh, maybe someone's given birth, or maybe someone's broken yeah. a bone, or maybe someone's dislocated." So and they went, "You don't need an ambulance for dislocations." I went, "No, people do. We <laughs> should put it back in." I was like, no, I put it back in because of my condition. Other people, like if you decayed, you'd have to go to hospital. Yeah. The majority of people have to go to hospital. She was like, oh, I don't believe you. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, they do. I was like, you know, when I have my crutches and all that, and you know, sometimes you see me take my medication and everything, mm. but that's because I have an illness, which means I'm slightly different. I can do stuff. But for everyone else, I mean, she believes it now, but it took a while to tell her. And sometimes you're just in the moment and you'll forget that it's not normal for people because so you're so used to it. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's fine. And because you're so blasé about it happening to yourself. Yeah. Like, I'm too blasé. I don't go to the hospital when I should do enough, really. I'm just like, ah, it's fine. Right? I'm too blasé. So when I saw that, I was just in a blasé moment. Yeah. And you're just like, that's ah, fine. <laughs> it's not fine. Just shake it off, you know? Yeah. Just put it back in, carry on. I've had from a lot of people go, oh, you should try yoga. Which, if you have EDS, it's one of the worst things because yoga is about being more flexible. And you don't want to be more flexible when you have EDS. No. But I told um, this one person, uh, it was, I think it was, a, it was a friend of someone, like an old person, but I can't remember who in the family it was a friend of or whatever. And I was having a really bad day. Mm. and so she asked and I told her and she went oh yoga fixes everything go to yoga you'll be fine and I was like no I can't do yoga yoga's bad for me she went nah yoga's good for everyone yoga will be fine and I was trying to explain that I couldn't do it and she just wouldn't listen to her wouldn't believe me she's like no yoga I'll go to a class come along it's like no I can't do yoga I've medically been told not to do yoga (laughs) (laughs) or if they've had like a bad strain or whatever like if they break her arm, they need to strengthen. They go, oh, it's really helped me. Yeah, that's because you've well, got I'm a glad it's helped different you. problem yeah. to me. Yeah, I'm like, I'm glad it's helped you, but it's not going to for me. Yeah. <laughs> do you think a lot of that is because of your age? Because you are still young. Do you think people think, oh, like this will probably I think help you so. sort it out? Yeah, I think so. And I think because so much on the internet and everything it's oh yoga will help this like if you have a pain yoga helps and all that stuff mm. so I think it's partly the internet and partly because they see your age and when you say it's not fixable they don't believe you yeah and half the time you say you're ill they're like oh you're not you're too young you know so when they do yeah. believe you they don't believe you that it's not fixable yeah when I think it comes from a good place but it's just not yeah, it does. or constructive yeah and once you get it a certain amount of times you do sort of want to have a go at them when someone else says it again. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. Yeah, you get a bit annoyed. <laughs> and you have to pretend you're all right. And you go, oh, yoga. Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> You've got like, and in your head, you're oh, like, oh my gosh, shut up. 
that yeah. tone of voice is incredible. It's like your work voice. Like yeah. people who work in retail have a work voice, and that's like the chronic yeah. illness version of a work voice. Yeah, I have oh. a work voice on the phone, and it's oh, like the yeah. other one. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah when people like with the apple cider vinegar and that, it's like yeah. I'll definitely or look into it. <laughs> yeah, so many vitamins. Oh, this is meant to help with your muscle pain. This is meant to help with your muscle strength. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. I'll look into it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> oh. I'm not giving it a go because I know it's not going to work, but I'll exactly. let you know. <laughs> exactly. Now, for those of you who have listened to the podcast before, and you may be familiar with yes. uh, the last episode, maybe you've listened to it once, maybe you've listened to it multiple times, you may know that we decided to introduce a discussion segment about representation of chronic illness in the media. And last time we spent a bit of time talking about... Um, a film called Brain on Fire. Um, neither of us liked. Which neither of us liked very much. Um, you'll have to give, go yeah. check out episode one if you want to hear more about that. Yeah. Um, but this week, we're going to mix it up a bit. So what have we got? Mm. We have got Avril Lavigne's song, Head Above Water. Do you want me to, I've got some backstory on it if you want. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so... I've got my notes. <laughs> so, um, this was her... Oh, now I've gone past it. There you go. This was her, it's, the song is about her journey with Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. And it was her first song for five years with her suffering and it came out in 2018. Yeah. And she said that one night she felt like she was dying mm-hmm. and like she had accepted that she was going to die. And it felt like she was drowning under her breath. And, mm-hmm. you know, she was fine. She prayed to God and that's where the song came from. Actually, maybe it might be worth elaborating a little bit more about what Lyme disease is. Um, Because there there, there might be people listening to this who haven't heard about it or don't know what it is, just recognise the name, that kind of thing. So um, Lyme disease is an infectious disease that's commonly spread by, from ticks to humans. Um, Like a lot of the common symptoms include like a rash, like headaches, fever, um, mm. fatigue, that kind of thing. And uh, in extreme cases, I think it can go as far as like joint pain and stiffness, like heart palpitations. Um, yeah. But typically what makes it chronic, I believe, is um, often post-treatment when someone still experiences the symptoms of the disease. Um, yeah. So, like, it's, it's kind of like glandular fever, my understanding is um, that once you have those symptoms they don't necessarily go away you could be dealing with them for the rest of your life um yeah which is why it's classed as a chronic illness yeah not it won't be for everyone but for some yeah it's a you know some people come back fine from it experts don't know why some people carry on having the symptoms after it's treated yeah so there's not there's not no one knows the reason for it yet it's kind of hard to predict i guess yeah um, which I guess is where a lot of the emotions from this come from, like that kind of uncertainty, that yeah. kind of fear of the unknown, like you're not really knowing how you're going to be able to cope with this. Yeah, which I think is what every chronic illness has. I think they all have that in common. Yeah, yeah, Wait. I think so. Did you like the song? I, I related to it quite a bit. Yeah? Yeah, I thought it was all right. I mean, it's probably... I mean, I listen to all sorts of music. There's probably not something I'd listen to all the time. Yeah. But 
I really related to some of the lyrics. I read the lyrics through and everything as yeah. I was listening. Yeah, me too. I did really relate to some of the yeah, some of the lyrics what she said that she said. Yeah. And I thought um I thought it works. Like you I think you can relate to it with physical or mental illness. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah. think? Um first of all I was very confused because in mm-hmm. my mind Avril Lavigne is still like the sort of pop rock two thousand yeah, completely different vibe. Yeah. And like I only know like two songs of hers, I think, from that era. Maybe. No, maybe oh yeah, three. same here. Like, like skater boy, boy, girlfriend, yes. and complicated, I think was maybe the other one. Um and so it's first of all very very different to that stylistic. Mm. Um yeah. it's much more sort of chill a little bit more calm but still with some rock influences um yeah you can kind of hear where she's come from and it sounds like a more mature sound of that yeah 100 percent. it's like she's growing yeah with I, I guess that must be because she's been so heavily shaped by this experience yeah um but it also had some sort of like like you say because she talks about praying to god in the song it had some very sort of like soft christian rock vibes yeah kind of going on and i did i didn't relate to the god because i'm not religious personally but yeah no but i feel like i understood where she was coming from when she was like i prayed to god and all that because you do sort of go like just like you sort of go in your head like can i get through this sometimes yeah. like is it just sort of like pleading kind of sort of yeah for asking for help because you feel like you're carrying so much all at once yeah um, I think there was one line that really stuck out to me. It was uh, during the bridge of the song in the sort of yeah. breakdown section, which I thought roguely sounded a little bit like Elvis Presley's Can't Help Falling in Love, but that's a conversation yes. for another time. Yeah, yeah, it's not just me. No, it does. Yeah, um, but <laughs> anyway, the, the line that really stuck out to me was, I can't seem to keep it all together. And yeah. I feel like anyone who has experienced chronic illness can really relate to that sentiment of you feel like you're carrying so much, you feel like you're trying to juggle so many things at the same time. And yeah. to, from the outside, it might look like you're coping just fine, mm. but actually on the inside, you feel very chaotic, very messy, like you're yeah. kind of struggling quite a lot. Um, so I felt like that that really hit home for me, and I felt that the core message of the song in that sense was really, really yeah accurate i the lines that helped for me was and my life is what i'm fighting for my voice becomes my driving force Mm. because even if it's not like an end in life you're fighting to be able to live and you're fighting for as normal life as possible and you do only have your voice in the end yeah we're in different ways but all fighting for our life and you've got chronic illness yeah and Yeah. yeah and you've only got your voice and half the time I mean, that's all you can use. Exactly. I also like, there's another line, where is it? It was, I can't see in the stormy water, I can't seem to keep it all together and I can't swim. Because mm. it does get all on top of you and yeah. you feel like you're drowning yeah, in I, it all. I feel like that's, that's one thing that is also not necessarily very well talked about in terms of chronic illness, where a lot of these emotions that you feel and your struggles will, will very much come and go in waves. Sometimes yes. you will feel fine and like everything's perfectly manageable. Other times it really does hit you. And um, I feel like most people who don't necessarily have chronic illness 
don't realize that they sort of feel like it's one heavy hit upon diagnosis yeah and from there on out you just get better at learning to manage it which to some extent That's, is true yeah you do get better at managing it but it it does still come and go you have high points you have low points yeah the mental side of it yeah the mental side of it can be some of the hardest bits of it yeah definitely and when it hits you and like the feelings you feel like burden and guilt and like anger and all of them yeah like they usually hit all at once after you've had a good period yeah and trying to deal with all of that when no one really understanding that it comes and goes and they're like, oh, you've had this phase, why are you feeling like that? Like, you should have accepted it and all that. Yeah. And that, you've got to know that's normal. Like, you've got to just go to yourself, like, I'm allowed to feel this way. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. And I can't remember what I was going to say. I something to <laughs> Again. <add that>. Again. <laughs> God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> it's usually me who forgets what I'm going to say. <laughs> you've got notes. to me this time. I have. That's why I've got notes. <laughs> I've got notes too, but it isn't bloody helping. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. other thing that I will say about this video, the music video to the song, is a really, really aesthetic video. <laughs> I, I didn't watch the music video. I didn't watch it. It's like, no. um, it's obviously of Avril Lavigne and she's like on this big black sandy beach in a big flowing white dress and she's like, like walking with purpose across this cliffside and stuff and obviously there's a bit like where it starts talking about she's feeling like she's drowning she's underwater in this big flowing dress uh, yeah you can kind of get more of a sense of that and um, it's probably it's expensive very, dress you ruined yeah i'm sure it was um but just get a, a cheap one mate <laughs> just get a cheap one from like primark yeah <laughs> um but it's it's a gorgeous video, very like epic kind of sweeping imagery, and like I thought it really fitted the song in terms of tone and that kind of thing. Which yeah, nice. and watch it after. Yeah, but um, she also set up a foundation, the Avril Lavigne Foundation, to bring the awareness to this um, seriously of Lyme disease. Hmm. So, I saw that at, at the end of the music video for this song. Um, I saw that it came up on screen. They have a website, right. avrilavinefoundation.org, I believe. Um, yeah. And I had no idea. I hadn't heard of it at all. No, I hadn't either. But it's a good thing to have someone in the media, like someone who people know, to bring awareness to different illnesses that they've yeah. suffered with, but they know someone. Like It's a real positive thing. Yeah, definitely. So I thought that was good for her. Yeah, all in all... You would say that you liked the song? Yeah, I think I related to it a lot. Yeah. yeah how many zebras are you going to give it? I think it, it was actually a really good representation of chronic mm. illness. And it's one that I didn't expect to come across. Um, yeah, same here. So we're going to rate it out of five zebras, as always. Um, <laughs> I think I am going to give it a 4.5. I think there was a lot that could be improved, frankly. Yeah, I agree with you. 4.5. It was... Now I'm going 4.3 because I haven't watched a music video. So <laughs> that's my fault. 4.3 for me. But it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just felt like it really connected with a lot of the more difficult emotions that people feel when they're experiencing chronic illness. Yeah. And I, didn't, I really didn't expect it. I thought it was going to be something I'm going like, this doesn't, this is nothing to do with it. Yeah. Like, exactly. I like I said, I was expecting like a little like pop 
punk yeah. kind of weird. So was I. I didn't know early noughties. I think they pulled it off very successfully. And yeah, I agree. Really, yeah, same I think here. it's a very important voice to be out there and to be heard. So yeah. I encourage you all to give it a listen um, if you get the chance. Yeah, hundred percent. So on, so the average is four point four. Four point four. Which is very high out of five. Yeah, that's pretty quick good. maths. Best score so far, but yeah. Two what was the other one? Like one sub oh, one point something. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, we did not rate that well. Um, have you heard? And this this is kind of delving into conspiracy theory territory here, but what have he you loves heard about the people because obviously Avril Lavigne disappeared for about five years. With the Lyme disease. She had Lyme disease and she was in recovery and trying to get her life back to normal. Um, But people think that since she's gone AWOL, she's been replaced by a doppelganger. (laughs) (laughs) They think that that the Avril Lavigne that you see touring and performing and in public nowadays is not the same person as it was in in the 2000s. Well, they think they kidnapped the other one and tied her up or something. I don't know. Honestly, I'm going to Google it to make sure that I'm not absolutely <laughs> chatting out of my arse. But I'm certain that there is a legitimate conspiracy. Well, legitimate conspiracy theory is a bit of a <laughs> yeah. Um, like, what do they think happened to her? Oh, my God. No, it's even worse. They think that she's died and has been replaced by a lookalike. Why would someone do that? I don't know. I mean, I don't think she was that important that she had to be replaced. True. True. You know? Like, if she did die, I don't think she's, like, that important that they had to find a doppelganger. Oh, my God, there's various iterations of this, actually. Oh. Apparently, the oldest conspiracy theory was that she's been cloned. So it's actually I mean, once again, nowadays. Yeah, once again, I don't think she's the first person you would clone. <laughs> no offence, I've already been, if you listen to this. Which are very unlikely, but if you do, no offence, but, you know. Oh, uh, so apparently, at the beginning of Avril Lavigne's career, she was struggling to handle fame. So she began using a body double in public, whose name is Melissa. And okay. the, the conspiracy theory is that apparently the real Avril Lavigne has died, but the record company has replaced her with Melissa full time. But surely the record company would make more money once someone died so singles always get brought again. I, I honestly I, like the records go the records go like really high once someone dies. <laughs> yeah, but maybe maybe they're looking for a more like long lasting Yeah. Kind of career. I don't think it's working. <laughs> <laughs> if they've done it, I don't think it's working how they planned. Oh once again, goodness. no offence, Avril. I'm very sorry if I offend you. Oh my goodness. She's not listening. People are actually crazy. Um, <laughs> so apparently supposed proof includes shots of Avril Lavigne on the red carpet where Avril Lavigne typically would choose to wear trousers, but Melissa prefers to wear dresses and skirts. <laughs> As if the same person can't choose to wear a dress or a skirt one day. Yeah, it's not like... Yeah, it's not like she might have like people's fashion choices change or anything in the clothes they want to wear. That doesn't that never changes. Never. Everyone always just wears the same stuff. Once once you wear one thing, you have to wear that forever. Did you not know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, they must think I'm they must think I've been cloned lots of times then. And apparently Melissa has left clues in song lyrics. <laughs> um apparently in the song Slipped Away, 
Melissa sings the words, the day you slipped away was the day I found it won't be the same. But, you know, that couldn't be about someone, Avril knows dying or saying, or just breaking up with someone. No, that, definitely not. Definitely. No, definitely not. That means that, you know, she's gone and, oh, I've got to take over. <laughs> but I sound exactly like the original Avril Lavigne. Oh, like, <laughs> like, well, even if the conspiracy theory is nuts, which I'm fairly confident that it is nuts, <laughs> yeah. it's brought some joy to people around the world, I guess. Something to talk I mean, about. it's brought some joy to us right now. <laughs> yeah, even just discussing how stupid it is. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't take away from, even if it was Melissa, it doesn't take away from how good the song was. Absolutely. Chronic illness. Absolutely. Yeah. I see you, Avril. Slash, I see you, Melissa, whoever you are. Yeah. Or clone. Or the clone. If you can, can you do a clone of me? Because then when I'm having a bad day, I can still get stuff done. <laughs> that would be very helpful, wouldn't it? It would. Just, you know, asking out there. If they've done it, just contact me. <laughs> yeah, so anyone listening to the podcast who has some connections in cloning, just like, hit us up. We'd, we'd like to get in touch. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can even come on the podcast if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So it is now that time in the podcast where we answer some questions that have been sent in. Um, Yes. And this week we have a question from Owen, who's messaged in. Um, And he asks, do you prefer people to ask lots of questions about your chronic illness or would you rather they just avoid the topic altogether or perhaps somewhere in between? ask i want people to ask that's how they learn Mm. like avoiding it would just be when you've got a bad day they don't know it's awkward like 100 if you've got a question ask me like if i don't feel like i can answer it i'll tell you yeah but if you've got it ask what about you i think for me it kind of varies a little bit day to day because some days i just don't want to think about it or i just don't want to talk about it yeah, I get um, that. I'm like that some days. For the most part, I think I would much rather people just ask questions that they have because mm. at least then it gives me the option of being able to say no and it gives them the chance to learn something about what I'm going through or that kind of thing. And I, I would like to believe that I am consistently an advocate for open communication and yeah, trying same to have these discussions. Um, yeah whether or not I always manage that because like I say <laughs> I have bad days everyone does but yeah. for the most part I would like to believe that yeah I would be open to talk about it yeah I think if they ask me the question if I said I don't want to talk about it, I'm having a bad day like most of them I say look I don't want to talk about it today I'm not having a great day you can ask me another day or something like I'm really sorry and most of the time they understand that yeah so I think you know you've just got to yeah, ask. And if they're not ready to talk about it, just say, okay, I understand. Yeah. But if you don't ask, you're never going to learn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're all about advocating and raising awareness. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think for us, it's definitely ask most of the time. Yeah. I have a question for you, if you're listening. Um, What tips and tricks do you have for surviving the festive period? Because it's a very, very crazy sort of month or so where there's a lot of, like we say, religious festivals, cultural festivals, New Year celebrations, all sorts of things. 
and like it can be quite difficult to navigate even without a chronic illness let alone yeah. throwing that in the mix so if you have any useful tips and tricks make sure to share them with us whether it be chronic yeah. illness related or not um ever, i'm sure everyone could always do with more help in trying to survive yeah. this crazy time <laughs> As always, do reach out to us with your recommendations for films, books, TV, music, support services that we can share on the podcast, things that have helped you, um, things that you've enjoyed watching, good and bad representations of chronic illness in the media. We'd love to talk yeah. about it. And reach out with any questions you want us to answer. Yeah, definitely. And also with any other social media accounts that you find useful. We'd love to get in yeah. touch with more people in, in the chronic illness community. Yeah, and all any about support. exactly. Yeah, and any support or charities, any of that that you find helpful, so that we can share for other people. Yeah, like would be great as well. Last episode, we uh, stole a little segment from a podcast that I listen to and love called "Not Too Deep," hosted by Grace Helbig. And I'm going to steal one of her other games for this week's little. We're sorry. Segment. So, Kate. Yes. Describe your worst pants shitting story or your worst poo related story in only three words or short phrases. Okay. You can um, elaborate afterwards if you feel like okay. it. Constipation, diarrhea, farting. Wow. <laughs> See, you haven't given us much of an idea about sort of location and setting there. Nah, I'm mysterious. <laughs> constipation <laughs> diarrhea farting excellent truly excellent <laughs> okay what, what's yours i can't believe i'm actually going to share this but i'm going to do it anyway um okay new year's eve yeah both ends <laughs> oh the double travel Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're both mysterious of these. Yeah. Um, I might as well elaborate because I think the embarrassing yeah. part is done already. Um, so basically I was 18 at a New Year's Eve party around a friend's house. Um, and... I was obviously drinking. I had been drinking yeah. for quite a long time. I suddenly realised, I was like, oh, this feels a bit funny. I think I need to go to the loo. So obviously, go to the loo. And um, I'm sat on the loo. And for whatever reason, coming out one end very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, God, I need to vomit as well. <laughs> but it's not stopping on the bottom end it's still going so i'm like oh my god what do i do so i see a sink in front of me and i tr i decide the best thing to do <laughs> would be to try and straddle halfway between the toilet and the sink so that i can get both ends covered um, perfect yeah it's it's not a story i'm proud of but um <laughs> There we go. Do you want me to elaborate on mine? Yeah, go on. Okay. 
So I was at a club. Mm-hmm. I was 19. And part of my illness is that I, it's different from other people, but for me, I only poo either once a week or once every two weeks. Right. Like, that's normal. It's been my whole life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, but this time I hadn't pooed for like a month. Oh, wow. And I pooed early on in the day. I thought, oh, I'm all good now. Didn't, because sometimes you get diarrhea after, don't you? <laughs> so I was at this club and I was kissing the sky. And a thought I didn't know I was going to have. Oh my God. It was silent. Who didn't know? Like, I didn't know I was going to fart. You know, it's just a little secret one. Yeah. And uh, a little bit of poo came. And I had to go, oh, I'm really sorry. I've got to go. And I was, and I got diarrhea in the toilet. And I had to, like, get, leave the club. And I was like, my friends go, I'm sorry, I have to go. And like, why? I'm like, I've got diarrhea. I'm like, what? It's like, I've got diarrhea and I farted. And <laughs> I, I just got to go. <laughs> and, then I, and then I had to travel home. Oh no! And it was so bad. <laughs> and like, that poor guy, like he was like he saw me as I was thinking, it was like, "Can I get your number?" I was like, "I've got to go. Sorry, mate, emergency." <laughs> like, oh my god! They just left this guy like just. It's really bad. That's the thing when these emergencies happen, because Lord knows everyone has a story like this somewhere along the yeah. lines. If you don't, you're lying to yourself. Um, yeah. You definitely do have a story like this somewhere. But that's the thing. When this happens, all hell breaks loose. You go into survival mode. You have to yeah. do whatever you can to get out of there yeah. as soon as possible. And it never, it never happens when you're just at home. No, never. No, it always, always happens. when you're around someone or doing yeah. something that you need to get done or... Yeah, and you're like, oh, Lord. <laughs> like, I think we're both, both of us got quite bad ones. Yeah, but they're quite extreme, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully it's keeping you guys listening entertained. Yeah, so um, I hope you enjoyed that little segment there. Um, if you fancy sharing any of your stories, go ahead, send us a message. We really want to know. I would love to hear them. Yeah, I, I mean, curious. it would be one of my favourite things, to be honest. <laughs> Imagine if this podcast actually kind of becomes something big and all of a sudden all we get is just messages <laughs> stories oh my jesus i would love that i'll be like every episode oh we've got a new poo story to share (laughs) (laughs) we'd be known as the chronic illness and poo podcast oh my god (laughs) to be fair i'm all right with it (laughs) i think you've got to be you just got to embrace it like yeah chronic illness isn't pretty we've got much worse stories to tell you exactly I mean, just wait till they come along. <laughs> It'll just be the chronic and ew, the sorrows. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and on that wonderful, wonderful <laughs> it's slightly brown bombshell. Um, <laughs> All right. I think we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in and listening. It means a lot to us. Make sure to tell your friends about us. Check out our YouTube. We're Think Zebra Podcast on there. We're on Spotify and loads of other streaming services. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Think Zebra Cast. Yeah, we've got the email as well, thinkzebracast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, so send us your questions, send us suggestions for topics to talk about in episodes. Yeah, your stories. 
We yeah. would love to. Just say, even if it's just to say hello. Yeah, exactly. It could just be a smiley face. Exactly. We'd be happy with it. Or your embarrassing poo stories, which we obviously yeah. definitely want to hear. We really do. <laughs> and, you know, just let us know if you want, if we're allowed to share it. We'll leave your name out. Yeah, if, we, if yeah, we can share it anonymously it. if you want. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, everyone's right. got a poo story, guys. <laughs> everyone's got a poo story. <laughs> All right, so take care and we will see you very, very soon, hopefully. See you soon.